so you have told me a lot about your cousin and this dog that came into her life through really unfortunate circumstances, but has now has an amazing life and is loved immensely. Who who are we talking with today, Julia? Yeah, we're talking with my cousin, Carrie. So Carrie is one of my two twin cousins, Carrie and Kelly. They are huge animal lovers. They've always been taking care of animals. I remember since we were kids, they've had rescue animals, dogs, cats. And she has a very special pit bull named Lucy, who she was able to save, literally, as part of her job as a vet tech. And after she saved Lucy, Lucy became sort of a a local celebrity. And her story is really inspiring. And uh, I'm just, I'm so excited to have Carrie on with us today. I'm excited to learn more about Lucy. Well, Carrie, we're so excited to have you here. Um, Everybody, this is my cousin, Carrie, one of my favorite cousins of the several cousins that I have. Just kidding. You guys are all my favorite cousins. Yeah. I hope they don't listen to this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right? Now I'll know who actually listens to it. If the cousins don't complain, I'm like, "Mm, I don't think you listen to my show. (laughs) The twin sister is listening. She says, oh, you're you're thinking about her more than me, so... Yeah, Anya, if you didn't, if I didn't tell you already, Carrie has a, a twin sister. So shout out to my oh, cousin okay. Kelly, who's also a big animal lover. <laughs> but yeah, Carrie, like, you know, we're here to talk about one of your many pets, um, a very special pit bull named Lucy. But first, I would love to hear about you. Obviously, I know about you, but I think our audience would be interested in hearing more about you as an animal lover and sort of what got you into dogs in particular? And just like, tell us a little bit about who you are. Sure. So uh, I'm Carrie. Uh, I'm involved in animals probably for the last uh, 15, 20 years or so. I went to school to be a veterinary technician. So that's kind of been my career for the last 15, 20 years or so. Um, And that's kind of how my love of animals first really, really kicked in with, uh, with animal medicine um, taking care of them, kind of the medical aspect. I've always been a lover of animals. Julia, you know this. Uh, you know, from a very young age, we've always tried to rescue many animals, and I've always had a dog or a cat at the house. But, um, you know, going to school, trying to create a career of something that you love, uh, you know, that was something that was my goal. So I did uh, four years of schooling with that. Um, when I got out, I said, well, now what? am I going to do, you know, am I going to get into shelter medicine? Am I going to get into emergency medicine? And that's kind of where it snowballed. So um, I started off in emergency medicine, got into doing surgery and anesthesia at a local 24-hour emergency hospital. And that's kind of how I met Lucy. She came in one night. Uh, It wasn't a night that I was working, um, but she came in. She was burned in a fire. Uh, Unfortunately, the people that had her before left her outside in a dog crate um, during the middle of a January winter. And, you know, any New England winter here is not something that is hot. It was very, very cold outside. They're very cold. And so she was actually in a crate. What was it, in somebody's backyard? Yeah, in someone's backyard. So they were not uh, allowed to have animals in their apartment. So they thought, well, let me me still have them, uh, have these dogs, keep them. Uh, kept them outside in a couple dog kennels and then covered uh, the dog kennels with a space heater and then a tarp over the top of that. 
Um, so, you know, that doesn't really work when uh, you cover a space heater because it caught fire and she was trapped inside her kennel uh, with her two little puppies um, and they weren't home at the time. So luckily a neighbor said, hey, geez, I see a fire in somebody's backyard, called the fire department and found out that she had uh, been in there in the kennel with the with the baby. So they the babies, unfortunately, didn't make it. Uh, Lucy suffered second and third degree burns to about 50% of her body. She was rushed into the hospital um, and we took care of her from there. But Lucy is one of many cases that we kind of see in our emergency hospital that are that are pretty severe like that. So Lucy came into our hospital and we took care of her from then on out. Uh, she was in the hospital for close to two months, um, having constant daily bandage changes and debriding of all of her wounds. Like I said, she suffered second and three degree burns to most of her body. Um, so it was pretty, pretty bad. Uh, medical care for her, like, like any of you know, you guys both have animals. Uh, medical care can be super expensive. So in her case, the owners that had her uh, were, were not, didn't have much money. So they ended up um, transferring her over, signing her over to the hospital. And we had a rescue organization uh, kind of take over, raise some funds for her so they can uh, further afford her medical care. That's what I was wondering, uh, how she went, because I knew that she had been in the the accident, but I didn't know how she went from being somebody's dog who was in an accident to then being up for adoption. Yeah, so unfortunately, these people, you know, we go back and forth where maybe they were trying to do a good thing. They were trying to keep her warm, um, trying to keep her safe as best as they could, whatever means that they have. Um, It just wasn't the right thing to do. So, uh, you know, so they just they said, we just don't have the money for this. So our hospital actually reached out to a local organization um, close by in town and they were able to by word of mouth, raise upwards of, I think, uh, $30,000 or $40,000, if not a little bit more, to kind of take over her medical care. And so when you first met Lucy, what what was that experience like for you? Had you seen that type of injury to a dog before? Uh, how, how did you emotionally respond to it? And And I'm guessing, too, in your line of work, you probably have to learn how to compartment compartmentalize your emotions from the situation? Sure. So she was the first burn victim that I had ever seen. Um, I had been in the field for a few years uh, in emergency medicine. You see a ton of different injuries uh, for all sorts of reasons. I've seen really bad uh, car accidents, hit by trains, um, definitely a lot of abuse cases. But in her case, that was the first ever burn that I had seen. Um, you know, maybe something little like uh, walking on hot asphalt, you would see dogs with burned paw pads. But she was the first actual fire burned dog that I saw. And for her, you know, not it wasn't just the physical appearance, uh, you know, that could be shocking to some people. Um, it was also the when you get smoke inhalation and things like that, you can just see the animal really, really struggling. So maybe an animal on the outside might not look as injured or as sick, but they really do suffer a lot, uh, you know, physically with their body. So getting through, trying to understand where your patients are at and, um, and seeing her, her, there was just something about her face. Like I said, I wasn't there that night when she came in, I came in the next morning and I work in the surgery department and she came in through our emergency service 
And like every morning you would go around and look at the other animals in the hospital. There was just something about Lucy, you know, it was a big story from the night. I walked right, right over to her cage and she had just the sweetest, sweetest little look on her face. All that she went through, she just had this this look about her that you just completely fell in love with. And everybody that that was working with her definitely fell in love with her. And kind of how my sister and I got into, uh, we actually fostered her. Uh, she was at our hospital for two months having to have you know, multiple bandage changes, all of this medical care that continued beyond beyond the first couple of weeks of her hospital stay. It was something that that was upwards of a year of recovery. Um, the rescue organization came to came to anybody in the hospital and said, "Hey, we know that she's going to have a lot of um, you know medical issues potentially in the future, and it's going to rely on somebody who is going to be able to take care of her um, kind of around the clock." So. My sister and I at the time, we said, well, why not, right? Why not? Why not bring another animal into the house? Um, so we decided to foster because her. Because you for, didn't have enough animals right, already. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so we decided to foster her for uh, 30 days. And of course, any animal that ever really enters our house never really leaves. So she kind of was the beginning of our foster failures. And then we, you know, we just couldn't stop from there. But I want to go back to when she first came into the hospital, did I mean, was it clear that they could save her or was it one of those cases where it was really like this could go either way? Sure. So with with Burns, you know, it's one of those things that you may not see right off the bat. You can say, okay, well, physically they have multiple burns on their body. It looks pretty severe. Is it going to need something that, uh, you know, is going to need skin grafting? Is she going to have tons of infection? Um, how much smoke inhalation did she have? Is she going to need to be on oxygen for, uh, you know, for an extended period of time? So in her case, it's instantly right off the bat, you could say, okay, well, she's breathing. She looks like she's doing okay. Can we maybe get her to eat something, try to feel a little bit better and kind of assess her a little bit after that. So um, it took, I would say the second day that, that I saw her, you started to see a lot of inflammation around a around a lot of areas of her body, um, just the body's response to being burned. Um, and every patient is really different, but in her case, it was, it got pretty severe. She did not have to have any skin grafting, um, or anything like that. Um, but she did unfortunately have really bad burn to her tail and she had to have her tail amputated. The bottoms of her paw pads were completely burned off. So we had to bandage those up. Um, and then she was on, she had tons of catheters and was on tons of medications to prevent infection. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't completely obvious when she walked in, but it was something that kind of snowballed after that, that you have to be really, really careful of. So the, you know, so to the average eye, somebody, um, you know, saying, well, I'm going to be in this for the long call. This is my pet. You know, that's kind of a hard question to say, Hey, do you want to go forward with this? Um, because you just really don't know. So I think that's the hardest part when animals get sick like this or have some traumatic thing happen to them. You know, what, what's the next step and, you know, how far do I want to go? And so when she, when she was in your hospital and you guys were, were treating her, from my understanding, you guys started raising money to help stabilize her and for her treatment. What was the decision behind that? Is that, and is that common to, for animals that come 
into animal hospitals where the vets will raise money for her treatment? Sure. So we, we as the hospital, uh, we have certain funds. Uh, some places will have certain funds that are kind of set aside for uh, severe cases. And in her case, she needed an extended amount of medical care. So that's why we contacted a rescue organization that is not actually affiliated directly with the hospital, that we, but we had used a couple times with other patients. So they were really the, the key factors in, um, you know, trying to, to get all these funds for her. Um, and that's reaching out through newspaper, through, like I said, word of mouth going. I mean, the animal, animal field is, is crazy large. So, you know, you tell one person this dog's sick and it's going to spread to, you know, a couple hundred people. Um, so it re- really was word of mouth. Um, and with this rescue organization, they're really the ones that, that saved her financially. And what was the response from the community when, when you guys did start raising money? What was their initial response? Uh, so we had, uh, I didn't really have much interaction with a lot of the, the, the direct community. You'd hear stories, definitely reading in the newspaper and reading a lot of people's comments online. They were super supportive. Uh, you know, you, you kind of get a backlash from people saying, oh, well, you know, that's, those people are terrible. What had happened to her? You know, these people should go to jail. Um, you know, all of these different things. And you, you can't really always judge somebody based off of, of one incident. So, uh, you know, so for, for her previous owners, you know, maybe they were trying to do a good thing, but this, this accident happened to her, um, you know, but, but then you have people that are, are so thankful that, us as the veterinary field, we're able to take care of animals the way that we do. So I think that's a lot of people um, wanted to donate just because either they've been in a certain situation before, maybe with their own pet, um, or just really, really felt for her story. So, um, so that was kind of what what I noticed from the the general public. I did uh, take her to an event shortly after she was uh, recovered when we had her officially adopted, um, and it was a, a pit bull awareness. Uh, thing. Lucy's a, a pit bull bulldog mix. Um, and the community for pit bulls in general are, are very, very large. So, uh, so I think a lot of what was raised for her too was because she was also a, a pit bull. And with her story, I, I remember it, it, it took some time for her to recover. And I followed her progress a lot on your Facebook page. This was a while ago. And I think progress for me was just seeing the number of bandages that came off her over time. And I remember her cute little onesies <laughs> that she would wear too, especially outside yeah. to protect her skin. But I also remember her, I mean, she did, her story really did resonate with a lot of people. I mean, she was in the news. I think there was a song that was written about her. <laughs> what, like, what happened? What, what, what was Lucy mania like? And when did that really begin? It honestly was crazy. So even, you know, we, we hadn't officially owned her yet, but, but she was at the hospital. She was very, very loved when she would get these, these different bandages to kind of cover up her wounds. People would decorate them in, in all sorts of designs and, and themes. So there was, a, I think Green Lantern had just come out. So the Green Lantern was, you know, like a big, a big hit. We had, um, we had the Storm Nemo. So we decorated her as kind of like a fish tank. So you had you know, different cute little fish and there was a Jurassic Park theme. So she had all these, these cute bandages that just to kind of make her feel good, make us feel good, kind of make light of the situation. 
know, something so terrible. Um, so that was in the hospital. And then getting home, my my mom was a little bit squeamish to see some of the burns. So we, for kind of for us, we covered up most of them. And then also to keep her skin nice and safe because it was very tender and very sore um, and still very fresh. So we dressed her up in these cute little outfits. Like Julia said, these cute little onesies. Um, so she kind of really became our, we joke, she was our first child that we had to learn how to to dress up and kind of really take care of going out in the the sun. She had to have sunscreen put on and, um, you know, we, we definitely treated her like a little baby. And you said that it, it was make her feel good. Was it more, you, do you think she knew that she was being dressed up and looking all cute or was it more because it helped with maybe pain management as far as the feeling good part? Oh, she knew. She knew when she was getting a new set of clothes, she would kind of do this little happy dance with her feet. She instantly, anytime you would take out a new jacket, because it was the middle of winter, so a new jacket, she would get all excited. So she definitely knew it was her time to shine. Um, and yeah, we she enjoyed it. She enjoyed it. It made us feel good, but she definitely enjoyed it too. Did you have a favorite one? Uh, favorite favorite shirt. So we, I always joke, we dress her up for Easter in this cute little pink Easter dress. And as a, as a pit bull, she's very, very muscly. She's got very broad shoulders. So seeing her in this cute little petite Easter dress, I just thought it was the funniest thing, but, uh, you know, but she had to wear it. So I remember that. It's like seeing the Hulk in a choo-choo, that's, Anya. That's exactly, <laughs> so that's exactly what it was. And she had little pink bows that we put, uh, you know, like around her ears. And I just thought it was the sweetest thing to make, to make this big, tough dog look so sweet and innocent just was really special. And her personality. So when, when you get her and she comes in, she's been through this really tragic event, you know, losing her puppies, being burned. What what was her uh, demeanor? What was her demeanor like when she first came in versus to what her personality is like now? Sure. So we were super surprised on on an animal that you would think would have gone through something that she went through would be potentially aggressive or mean or. Um, you know, some sort of backlash with Lucy. She, she was always sweet. She was always sweet, super thankful, I think, for what we were doing for her. And she just was a, she's a giant love bug. She's a couch potato. She sleeps for 36 hours of the day. She's just, she's a sweet little love. Nothing about her, um, you know, I would ever, ever be nervous about with anybody. She's, I think she's just so thankful to be here, to be alive and to have gone through what she went through. Uh, she's just very lucky. Isn't that amazing with animals, though? I, I, and I'm I'm sure you see this quite a bit in your line of work, where they come from these really tragic backgrounds and situations. But there's this part of them that is still so. Even, I think even with aggressive dogs that I've met that have been through something really horrible, you can still see that there's a sweetness in them that wants to come out, that wants to be trusting, and. I, I don't know, you know, from your experience, what do you attribute that to in, in animals of just being able to set aside the trauma, even just for a minute to be able to experience joy and give love to others? Yeah, you know, I, do, I don't know how to say it, but just animals, for some reason, just know that we're there to take care of them, that 
in absence of a lot of their family members, we're the ones that are there that are going to be giving them the love and support. So I think there's just something about maybe just our presence, about you know, the, maybe the tone of our voice, that we're still just as happy to see them as much as they're not as happy always to see us when they come into the hospital. But, uh, you know, for everybody in the animal field, I'm speaking for myself and all my my coworkers, we do what we do because we truly love it. And I think the animals, I think the animals sense that. I can see that. I think, you know, animals are really good at picking up on vibes from people. You know, even today, like, you know, as both Anya, you know, Carrie, you know, you've seen him too. Like Smudge is really shy. He's got stranger danger. But today this woman was <laughs> at the dog park who I hadn't met before. He'd never seen before. And she went over to him and he was totally cool about it. And there was just something about her that he, I don't know, it put him at ease. It might have helped that she had an Australian Shepherd with her and maybe he picked <laughs> up on the Aussie mom vibes. <laughs> but I do think they they notice and look, Smudge hates the vet. If I say vet, oh my God, he goes into a tailspin in the car. But I try to tell him, I'm like, vet help, vet help. And like, because he kind of understands that the word help, like it usually means like if a ball gets stuck under the table, like I'll say like, mommy help, <laughs> like going to fix this or like, you know, when his paws are um, itchy from his allergies, like mommy help, I spray them. So I've tried to teach him vet help with mixed results and um, we're, we're almost there, but I would imagine that has to be hard. I mean, for the animals that really are terrified of coming in to the hospital, when you see them, like <laughs> I would be so heartbroken once they started shaking yeah. when they saw me. Yeah. I- I'm sorry. Hopefully you guys can just Calvin is. Oh, yeah. Don't don't worry about that. We always have fun background noises. It's part of the show. That's the that's the perks of having so many animals running around. Lucy's our sweet little baby angel and she never makes a noise. But you have the two younger brothers who like to make their presence known. So uh, but but that's funny that you say that about, uh, you know, that you were talking about the Aussie mom and maybe that animals just know we have a, a thing kind of in the animal field where everybody kind of has their breed of dog. So I'm a lover of German shepherds. So anytime a German shepherd comes in, it's like, you know, the person that has the most experience or there's just something about it where the animals just instantly respond to you. Uh, We have a a girl at work that loves Frenchies. So the minute that a Frenchie or a bulldog comes into the hospital, that's kind of, you know, anything they need, she's the one for them to go to. I I don't think little dogs really like me. (laughs) I, I I think that little dogs have a, an averse reaction to me. I'm talking like the little like five pound Pomeranian teacup tea cup oh things where, cause I think they know that I want to be like, Oh my God, I love you so much. It's not that I don't like them. I think they know that I'm just going to like suffocate them <laughs> with love. <laughs> so they like scurry away from me. <laughs> I do I do always feel bad for some of my patients. They come into the hospital and and we're just we're honestly the the vet field. We're just so excited to have animals in and sometimes we'll we'll get like a you know a puppy or a kitten come in that that maybe you know hadn't eaten in a day or so, you know something very benign. Um but for us, you know, we're super excited to see something so young and so cute that uh you know it's kind of like that that little girl in Finding Nemo that she goes up to the fish tank and starts going crazy. That's kind of everybody when a, when a cute little animal comes in, but I'm sure you guys can imagine having your own pets that you have those moments. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. 
And, and going back to, you know, Lucy, you know, obviously she, because I'm imagining now she comes in the hospital and when she was stabilized and doing better, you know, she obviously was an inspiration to you and your team and for all the hard work that you had put into helping her. You know, you mentioned that you had done some events with her. Where did Lucy's story go? You know, were, were there any newspapers that covered it? Were there any TV shows? Yeah, we had uh, local TV shows. She, uh, a couple of the doctors did some um, some appearances with her just to kind of talk about her, specifically about her medical care. Um, she did go uh, part of the Stanford Parade, St. Patrick's Day Parade. So she marched in that. Um, she actually was in a baby stroller. They didn't want her walking. So so she was leading the pack. Um, she We did a couple of the different adoption events, uh, people awareness things. Um, she was on the radio. I don't know how you can have a, a puppy on the radio. She must have done a lot of talking, but, <laughs> <laughs> but so she was, she was all over the place. Uh, part of even still part of the rescue organization, her face is on the cover of their Facebook page. Um, she has her own, I, I love Lucy fund that people can still donate to for other animals that still need medical care. Um, you know, outside of of everything that she went through, they still have a fund set in place uh, for other animals that may be hurting or or need extra care. I, I'm curious how the 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 journey too, though, of when she came in, you guys raised money for her. She was enlisted to be adopted, uh, and then she became your dog. <laughs> what, what, what took place there where you're like, I, I can't let anybody else take her home. She belongs with my family. Right. So my sister and I, any, at the time we didn't have a, a dog. We had a cat at the time. We'd been a couple of years without a dog. Uh, so even talking with, uh, at the time we were still living with my parents at the time, trying to explain that we were going to be bringing this injured animal home, uh, you know, even before that, trying to argue with some of the people at work to say, hey, I really need this animal in my life. Uh, she was brought to many, many people's houses. And I just think that the fit for us was was more perfect. Um, and we made that known to the rescue group to say, hey, we really think that our house is, is the place that she's going to have the most uh, – the most love, the most care, she's going to be spoiled the best. Um, that's selfish to say, but I think that, that we would provide a really good home for her. For her, And, uh, you know, as long as it was okay with mom and dad, then, then we were going to bring her home. So that's what we did um, with the understanding that we were going to foster her for 30 days and then she would find some home someplace else. And my dad being a lover of all, all creatures, my mom, she warms up to them eventually uh, you know, and finally, with the go-ahead from all of the family, we decided that that the fit was right, and she was going to stay with us. And Anya, you should see the photos of Lucy with my uncle Dan. They're they're just <laughs> they're so cute. It's just like two of them napping on the couch together, and you would have thought they'd spent their like their whole lives together. It's just the sweetest thing. And I and you know I don't know about you guys, but anytime that you get an animal, I feel like you know you never really looking necessarily looking for a pet they just kind of find you so we were we both my sister and I were in a position where we had just gotten out of school um, we were starting our careers you know each of us in different relationships and um, and you know really just needed needed like an extra buddy so that kind of was Lucy for us she was she was always there always an ear to listen 
um, and just really wanted to take as much love as possible. <laughs> Sorry, I love that. Guys, I have the, the little one in the background. <laughs> and so, and so when you, this cocoa when, melon. when you brought her home, what was that experience like just from, even just from an emotional standpoint of knowing what she'd been through and, and seeing the, the journey that she had to go through to, to heal. And then for her to bring her home, be like, you're safe. You're never going to be hurt again. This is your forever home. I'm sure that must have been emotional. Oh, absolutely. We had so anytime that I think that you get a, an animal that you've never really started with as a puppy, um, you know, from you guys, I don't know if both of you, I know Julia had started out with Smudge as a little one. Uh, Lucy, at the time that we rescued her, she was about three or four years old, estimated by, um, by the records that we had. So you don't know what kind of baggage you get when you get these animals. Uh, and in her situation, you know, being, uh, was she abused? Was she, was this just a big traumatic event? Um, you know, did she even like to be snuggled or, or held really close? Uh, we knew based off of the work that we did with her in the hospital, but how was she going to react when she got into a, a household, um, you know, with a cat, with, uh, with a bunch of people, loud noises? Uh, she had been outside in her dog kennel out, you know, outside in the cold. So how was she really going to react to actually being inside in somebody's home? Um, so for us, we started out with a little, a dog kennel, um, just open to, to the rest of the house and just kind of let her tell us how comfortable she was. Did she want to be in there long-term? Did she want to get up on the couch? Did, did she want to be surrounded by people? And for Lucy, she just kind of warmed up to, to everybody. She didn't actually really want to sleep in the kennel anymore. Um, she was, she was very shy around, uh, anytime that a stove, a really bizarre, anytime that a stove was on, um, or any fire that was lit around the house, candles. So she definitely did, I think, still remember what had happened to her and how potentially traumatic it, it had been for her. And even still to this day, she's still, still reactive every time that there's a, a campfire or, or something like that. Mm. Mm. And I forgot about that, that, that transition from being an outdoor dog to then suddenly being in the home. Um, All right. Anya, I think, so. um, did you have a question or? Yeah. I, I'm curious if you have any tips for, for people who have a dog who's come from a traumatic background, has had an experience and they're adopting a dog and bringing it into their home, what type of tips would you give to them to transition them into their new environment so that they begin to feel safe and comfortable? Sure. So taking baby steps really with any new pet, uh, like I said, we've fostered many many of pets. So even getting them comfortable in a, in a foster sort of environment and getting them used to a new home is always, is always kind of tricky, but with, with any animal, um, and if you have other animals in the house already, transitioning them nice and slow is really the way to go. You know, start off with a small room, get, get some things, some toys, maybe that they really, really enjoy. 
Um, and then just spend as much time with them as possible, trying to get them comfortable with, uh, you know, with touching their feet and, and um, you know, touching around their face, even with feeding, go, feeding them directly, maybe having their mouth by the bowl. Um, you know, a lot of things with these foster guys, they have all these, all these issues that you don't really realize until you get them into your house. And it only makes things easier for us uh, when they come to the vet that they have all these, these tools to use ahead of time. Mm. I, I can imagine how important it is for your team just, you know, having the animals comfortable with having their you know, fingers in their mouths, people touching their toesies, all of that has to be crucial for you guys. That's right. That's right. Any, any of these, like I was saying, you know, you guys are, what can you possibly do or what kind of extra advice can you give to people when they, when they bring home these animals that potentially have, have so much baggage behind them, just being there for them, just love, just support. They're, they're happy to be with you as much as you're happy to have them in your house. So just taking things slow um, and never really trying to force anything on them. Um, you know, oh. hold on guys. <laughs> and honestly, you know, Carrie's got uh, three dogs, a cat, three dogs and a, cat, a small and child a, and a young baby. <laughs> When you say you can edit, I hope you do a great job. Come here, Bubba's. My kid is getting. I don't know if you guys can see right now. He's getting wrapped up in the curtain. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, is that silly? Oh my god! We're gonna make it through, okay, bud? We're gonna make it through. <laughs> we won't keep you for too much longer. Just a couple no more questions, me, I promise. Yeah, no worries. I'm sorry, guys. We'll get there eventually. That's okay. <laughs> I'm trying to keep it cool and calm right now, but I see total chaos happening in the other room. Oh, I can only imagine. <laughs> I, just, I just got back from visiting my uh, my nieces uh, in Oklahoma who are eight and four, and I was babysitting them one day, and they uh, I went into the other room for a couple minutes, and I came back, and they were cutting each other's hair. So <laughs> <laughs> You haven't had anything like that crazy yet, but... <laughs> But I can imagine. So I, I, uh, I'll stick to dogs for the time being. That's right. That's right. I said that the dogs were easy when we decided to have a baby. I said, are we going to really be, are we going to be okay parents? I think we're a pretty good dog mom and dad, but, but what are we going to do with a kid? You can't put them in a crate and then have it be okay. Well, you just don't have to tell anyone that you put them in a crate. <laughs> exactly. They can, they can just tell their therapist later. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I am curious too. I mean, there's a lot of stigma around, around pitties and we've had a couple guests who have pit bulls. Um, and I personally love the breed. I think they are so sweet and I've, there's this one dog in particular that goes to our, our park. Her name is Trudy. Um, and she's just like, these, she's the biggest love bug in the world. Out of all the dogs, even sweeter than my dog. And my dog is really damn sweet. But there definitely is a stigma around, around pities. Do you think Lucy helps break that stigma that people have of that breed in terms of them feeling like, you know, they are dangerous or violent or aggressive dogs? 
Oh, absolutely. I, you know, I really work with her, even with little kids. Uh, a lot of parents are always a little bit cautious. We go to a lot of different dog parks um, and things like that, too. And and definitely coming up to a pit bull is maybe a little bit more scary than going up to a golden that's wagging their tail. And in Lucy's case, she's she's got all of these burns to her body that she's missing fur. Um, even still, it's been many, many years since her accident. But she looks kind of rough and tough. So with her, she's super sweet. She you take things super slow with her, and she's just a little love bud. She's she anybody that she really meets, she'll sit right on your lap. She'll give you big kisses. Um, she doesn't judge anybody. So I love that. Yeah, and I think I mean the history of pit bulls too is that they were nanny dogs, and they were they were meant to be family dogs that protected the family, but not obviously for what they have been used for um, in terms of how they're used for dog fighting. Um, but their their initial history was really just to be a family dog, which I don't think a lot of people even realize that. No, you're absolutely right. With I can tell you just from experience with my little one, who's a year and a half now, uh, and Lucy sits right by his bedside almost every night. Um, and just is, is super sweet with, with the kids, um, you know, with the other dogs, with the cats. She was our, our kind of nanny to a bunch of kittens that we would bring home when we used to foster. Um, she, you know, any, any pit bull. I've never, working in the field for almost 15, 20 years, I've never really come across a pit bull that was so aggressive, so, um, so mean, some, something that you just couldn't handle um, more than maybe, you know, a Chihuahua or a Golden Retriever, you know, I don't, we don't really pass judgment on just because you're a pit bull, you must be mean and aggressive. You have to be cautious with really any animal. Yeah. Animals are animals. They have teeth, they have claws, they will bite you, they will scratch you. Um, so that it's just in their nature. It could happen really with any animal. So I kind of get a little sad when people will say, oh, you know, that's just a pit bull or, or that's, you know, a Rottweiler because they're sweet dogs. Yeah, I got sent to the ER once, and it was by a wiener dog. Uh, so. <laughs> so, Carrie, you should also know that Anya a few weeks ago was crossing a street in Manhattan and slipped on a pile of frosting, like cake frosting, in the middle of the road. <laughs> I did. Anya, you just might be prone to weird injuries. I think I, I might be. I might be. But I will say this: this wiener dog, she he bit me on my upper lip. And my upper, I had to go to the ER and get stitches. But my upper lip was so swollen, so swollen that I, I got a sense of what I would look like if I just got a bunch of Real Housewives lip filler. So <laughs> I, <laughs> so I think I'm gonna pass. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. That's so funny. Oh, but I'm glad that you're doing okay now. That could be super scary. You were you were inches away from from a major a major event. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was more shocking, more shocking than anything. But uh, yeah, I, you know, I think in the long term, it was maybe good for me because any cosmetic surgery that I thought of getting <laughs> that dog saved me from thinking about doing anything like that to my face. Well, here you go. My husband works in the in the human ER world, and he gets a lot of cases where people will come in from dog bites or cat scratches um, you can, it, it could be really, really severe. So you, you lucked out for sure. I did. His name was Ben Hogan, named after a famous golfer. <laughs> 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 so, 
<laughs> Needless to say, you're not going to be picking up golf anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> if you only knew Carrie. <laughs> Oh man! Oh well, God. I you've been so generous with your time. I think we'll we'll start to wind down just so you can get back to the family. I have okay. one question, and then Anya will do like a quick fun part of our interviews that we do for almost every every show. But if you could, if you could say one thing to Lucy, and she would understand exactly what you were saying to her, what would you tell her? I just tell her that I hope she appreciates everything that we've done for her. I don't want her to feel neglected with our with our new additions to the family, but I want her to know that she's my my first little baby love and and I'm really happy that I could have her here with us. My husband and I absolutely adore her and I I hope that she is happy that she's with with us instead of some other family, but she's our she's our little love bug and there'll absolutely never be another one like her. Oh, that's oh sweet. <laughs> OG, I'm sure she feels OG that. Baby. I'm sure she feels that. It, it's funny when, you, when you're talking about Lucy. So my husband and I have this, and I've heard you uh, with some of your other listeners before, but we always imagine Lucy having, you know, what voice would, a, would your pet have if they could actually speak? Um, you know, animals themselves, it's so crazy to hear and to see an animal that you can absolutely never, they can never communicate with you. There's never any speech back and forth, but they know exactly how you feel, uh, you know, without ever speaking one word. But if Lucy could ever speak, I want to say that she would have just a good old, you know, Southern lady that is just there to make you like a bunch of pies and, and just be, she's our little like Southern belle. She, I think she would have a little Southern voice and just would be just the sweetest little thing. Are you going to do an accent for us? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Damn it. If, if my, she was trying to trick you there. I know. I know. If my husband was here, he likes to, he likes to do Lucy voices around the house um, and some of the other dogs, what they're thinking. You know, they, they turn their head a certain way and they just sometimes will have this little smile. Lucy and any pit bull, they have this, there's, there's just, their jowls are just so big. They just have this beautiful, beautiful smile. So that's why I think she'd be like our little Southern belle. She's just, she's just our girl. She's our sweet little girl. And you, you, got, you got to get her a little Southern belle outfit. <laughs> she wore a nice, she did one Halloween was a, was a country girl and she had her hair and pigtails and a big poofy skirt. So I should get you guys some pictures of that. I'm sure you'd love it. Oh my God. I love that. Well, Dolly Parton just uh, launched a new line called Doggy Parton and it's all based around Southern elements, I believe with the dog apparel. So might want to, might want to check that out. She's in true Dolly fashion. She's got a, a nice big chest like Dolly. So I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure we'd find something good for her there. <laughs> she's, a, she's, a, she's our, our little girl with a big chest and our and a little waist so we'll see what she's got for us only Same proportions is, uh, only difference is i think she might be more she's natural <laughs> that's right that's right <laughs> if tolly's listening my girl is just like you <laughs> <laughs> well, I do want to ask you a few a few more questions um, sure. re- regarding regarding Lucy. Some some rapid fires. 
Sure. If, if Lucy could commit a crime, what crime would she commit if she could get away with it? Oh, so Lucy, her perfect, perfect crime is she likes to cause trouble around the house. She'll eat something and you'll think it's one of the other dogs, but it's just her. And she sits there so quiet, so silent and just has this look on her face that, you know, it's her. So anything, a toy that's been taken, you know, maybe one of the baby's toys or, or something. It's always Lucy's fault. It's never anybody else. You would think she was the innocent one, but she's not, she's not innocent at all. So she's a thief. She's a thief. She's a thief for sure. <laughs> she not only stole your heart, she steals other people's things. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, what celebrity do you think is most like Lucy? If she, if she had a, a celebrity doppelganger, who's her celebrity doppelganger? Personality-wise. She's like, she's like, oh, Gosh, a good celebrity. She's like um, Melissa McCarthy. I think she's I think she's Melissa McCarthy. She's funny. She's outgoing, and then she's just somebody you just want to sit and have dinner with. I love it. I love it. If if Lucy could binge watch any show, what show would she binge watch? It has to be Game of Thrones. We're into that lately. The new season just came out, so Game of Thrones. <laughs> That's excellent. She likes the dragons. She likes the she likes the drama. She likes the love stories. Yeah, that's her show. And Man, then I want to have then, dinner with Lucy. Sorry, I got you. <laughs> no, 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 you're good. And and just lastly, if if she could name you anything, I'm always curious. Like if. If if, a, if our animals could name us, what would what would they name us? What do you think she she would name you? <laughs> <laughs> like change my name or no? If she if she would refer to you as anything, if it wasn't you know mom or whatever, if she was like she could give you a silly name the way that we sometimes give our dogs silly names. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, I don't know. She's. Uh... It just would be Mama Dearest. It would be like something like a little Southern Belle. It'd be like my mama, my mama. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, she just sounds. I, when I saw photos of her, she just looks like the sweetest, most lovable dog. I feel like Trudy at the dog park that I go to. The pit bull Trudy has uh, some competition there, and so does my dog. So. I, I, I need to meet her. I need to snuggle her. I need to meet this old Southern Belle that's in uh, upstate. That's it. <laughs> Connecticut. <laughs> Sorry, Connecticut. My bad. I know. Connecticut. Uh, <laughs> We're right over the line. It's okay. <laughs> uh, and I, I have Carrie, to this was guys, terrific. And I'm sure you would absolutely never picture this about her, but you know, when I when I talk about Lucy and the fact that she sleeps for 36 hours a day and and this dog, the amount of excitement that comes from her is is minimal at best when she's inside the house. Her her go to music. And we've always said this, that she will play for her when uh, when we leave the house is reggae. If you put on any Bob Marley station, that's Lucy's jam, she says. That's what she wants to listen to. It gets her in the mood. But it's so funny. 
it's so funny with her. So she's very mellow. You come in here and she's head down on the couch, you know, will not even come really greet you when you open up the door. But the minute that she's outside, it's crazy how different she is compared to when she's in the house. She's so fast, something that's so short and so stocky like she is. I can't, I can never imagine how her legs move so fast that she's just this big ball of energy. And at 13 now, she's just, she surprises me every day, every day. She, she sounds like she would have like one of the best profiles for a a dating page. She's like, I'm a Southern belle who loves reggae, Game of Thrones. (laughs) And when you get me outside, I am just a delight and (laughs) you cannot keep up with me. (laughs) See, I don't need to do her Southern accent. You do a perfect one. (laughs) That's exactly, if I can pick a voice for Lucy, I think that, I think that I'm going to write something down and then you will say it. And then I know exactly what she, what she's going to sound like. All right, I'll do it. (laughs) I am from Oklahoma. So I've been around a lot of, around a lot of Southern bells. There you go. (laughs) Uh, Well, I really appreciate you guys, you know, coming forward and, and reaching out to me and to Lucy and wanting us on your show. I listen to you guys all the time. You're my go-to in the morning when I'm getting ready for work, when I have to go meet all these other animals. Uh, you know, I hear these these crazy stories about all, all of these, um, you know, people with, with all of their different, you know, TikToks and things like that with animals. Um, I don't know if she would ever have such a, a crazy Instagram account um, like, like I see some of your viewers and, and I think that's great, but, <laughs> but we have, to, well, we have to find something she's passionate about and then we'll get her on there. Well, I think she's doing fabulously as a, she's a local hero. She's a hero to her whole family, extended family as well. And I can't wait to see her next. So Carrie, this was such a treat. Like we're so excited that you were able to do this and just go back in time and relive this really important experience that you and your family had with Lucy. Oh, you guys got it. Anytime. We're always here for you. Thank you for taking the time to chat with us. And give Lucy a belly rub from each of us. All right. So what did you think of Lucy? I, first of all, I, I love all when she's talking about her outfits and, all, and how she would get excited whenever she get would get a new outfit. And that's how I feel. Like whenever I order stuff online and my stuff comes in, I, if I had a tail, I'd be wagging it when my <laughs> new clothes come in. <laughs> I knew you would love that. I, as soon as she said, you know, the excitement over the outfits, I was like, this is, Anya's going to connect with Lucy. And I think you'd collect with, connect with Lucy on a number of levels anyway, but that's definitely part of it. It, it feels that way. It feels that way. And the, the type of work that she does, you know, I, you know, I've thought about this before as far as like being a vet tech or veterinarian. And I don't think I could emotionally handle it as far as the, the cases that you see that come in from animals that have either been neglected, hurt, or just, you know, an, an unfortunate accident. And I just, I feel like that just takes a very special type of person to do the type of work that Carrie does. It's, it's so true. I, I could never, I love animals so much. And I remember when I was a little kid at one point, I told my parents I wanted to be a vet, but I, I do not have the 
I think the strength to actually go into that field in the way that they do. Like it's very hard. I'll tell you, I, a few years ago, I went to visit her and I was actually at the hospital and they had, um, a dog who wasn't doing too well. I remember it was like one of those things where I see the dog, I'm kind of in the back room. I went into another room, waited a few minutes. And when I went back through that other room, uh, yeah, the dog had already been put down and I was looking, I was like, Oh my God, like, that was oh my, yeah, hard that enough, be... but they do this every single day. But you know, again, I think that, you know, that strength that they have and just that total commitment to animals and compassion. I mean, they do such important things for us and are for, for kids. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think too, you know, there's so many videos that I've seen online of an animal that was, you know, had a, a terrible, uh, experience or background and watching these people nurse these animals back to health, like the before and afters. And, you you experienced that essentially as far as watching an animal with the before and after that was close in your family too. And I imagine for you seeing that from a more personal experience and now having actually being able to meet Lucy that you have a, a little bit of a different perspective than maybe some people do who haven't had that actual experience of meeting an animal like that. It it was crazy. I remember when we first met her, you know, it's tough. Like when she mentioned that my aunt was, it was hard to look at Lucy's scars. I mean, it really was, it was upsetting. You know, I think it's not that it's scary or gross, but it's upsetting. And sometimes things that are upsetting, you know, you don't want to be confronted with, but they just mm -hmm. did such an incredible job of taking care of her. And again, like over time, you'd see the bandages would come off. She no longer had to wear the onesie. And she, she really is just the sweetest dog. I mean, I, I have not been around a dog that's just as sweet and gentle as Lucy. Well, in honor, in honor of Lucy, I'm going to close this out with the Southern accent oh, no. <laughs> and ask, and ask our viewers to support us by following us on Instagram, TikTok at the Furfluencers. Oh, support us on Patreon. If you want to get more episodes and content from us, and as always, thank you all for tuning in and listening. Oh, my God. I'm going to ask the very kind person who edits this show to crank up the music for those last 20 seconds. <laughs> <laughs>